Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. My name's Terry, and I'm a sexaholic. My, my sobriety date is March 14, 1986, and I'm introducing this meeting. The topic of this meeting is the lust-resentment connection. It says, introduce the speakers by first name and last initial. So I guess we'll just say, um, as you can tell, I was just kind of roped into this last second here. I'm, I'm Terry M., and we have Terry S. and Cindy B. And um, I'm not sure what order they're going to be speaking in next. And we'll start out with the program. Um, well, I'm grateful for the opportunity to do service. I always am. Um, I had a sponsor, an original sponsor, who said, whenever they ask you to do something, you say yes. And that got hit in there, and it, luckily it hasn't come out yet. I had a lot of things to do this week before coming here, but um, I, I needed to prepare for this talk, and I needed to think a little bit about the re- lust-resentment connection. And I've learned a lot about me in the last 10, 11 years just by thinking about what I what this connection is. Those of you who know me know I'm a very analytical person and I think and I see connections and processes and stuff. And even though I'm working very hard at not doing that instantaneously like I always do, this was still a very good uh, opportunity for me. Um, I've learned a lot. I have uh, resentment right now. Um, I think I've prepared a very good talk and there's this big line of people out there and the eating breakfast and stuff who aren't even going to get in here and hear this talk. And uh, <laughs> the, the resentment is not, oh, the poor people. The resentment is they're not going to get to hear how good a talk I did and they're not going to lust after me and what I have and what. Um, so you will all like me a little more or want what I have a little more or whatever. I needed to, to get honest with that. And I can tell you that I don't think a week ago I would have seen that. It's a result of, of my being asked to do this this talk here that, that I saw that. So that's a, a blessing to me. Um, I've been around the programs about 10 years and 10 months, and um, I've given up. I've given up sexually acting out. Given up is not the right word, but I no longer sexually act out. I work very hard at not entertaining lust in my life. I no longer drink alcohol. I no longer take drugs. And um, I'm very slowly getting off the other things which give me the adrenaline rushes. So what's left for me? I think there's another panel here about crossing addictions and the only thing left for me is, is my drug of choice today, which is resentment. And it's really not today, and looking at it now, it's been my drug of choice for a long, long time. Um, and, and something I, I noticed also was that most of the time 
my this resentment starts with judgments. I can't really think of a time I've resented something or somebody that I haven't had to first judge it, and usually judging it in relation to me, not anything else, or judging it into in relation to Terry's cosmic rules of the universe, which no one in the whole universe is allowed to break or bend in any way, shape, or form, except I've broken them a thousand, hundred thousand times in my life. Um, I think we all recognize this this one resentment-lust connection. Um, I speak of a lot as when I am resentful, uh, my eyesight improves about a thousandfold. I see triggers out there that I never ever saw when I was feeling when I was in conscious contact with my higher power or when I was at ease with who I am in the world, and um, it just it just comes that way. Um, but I've seen uh, this week another connection bet- between the the lust and the resentment, and I believe they are the same species. I believe they are blood brothers and sister. Um, and I'd like to just, I just wrote down a few, I won't know if I'll call it the resentment process or just a few of the um, parameters, a few of the things which I see about resentments. And then you see if you could make the connection here. So when I'm resenting, what is what is the purpose? Why am I resenting? Well, first of all, to escape, to escape from my feelings, to escape from who I am, to escape to another time, uh, to live in a fantasy world, uh, a world that turns out to be exactly how I want it. I can replay that situation over and over again, and pretty soon I get it to work out just like I wanted it to do and what I should have said and how I could have put this person in their place or how I could have made it. And I can do that and relive it over and over again. Um, I can, and I do it until I get it exactly like I want it to be. Um, how do I do it? Well, it's for for me this addict, and I'd like to say that obviously anything I say here is my opinion from my history. I'm not speaking for SAAA or anybody else. Um, for in my opinion. It's the perfect drug. I have an inexhaustible supply. I can get that resentment anytime I want to, and um, I have I have I have stashes all over the world. Uh, wherever I go, I have this stash of resentment that I can grab and get anytime I want to. I can all I have to do is close my eyes, or or I don't even have to close my eyes, and and I. I have that hit of resentment. And there's no problem with tolerance. Um, yes, maybe the more resentment I get, uh, the more it takes, but I can always get more, and I can always find a new one and a new way and a new high from the resentment. So uh, it's better than the, the, the drugs that are better is not the right word, but it serves its purpose better. I can get it in the newspaper. You know, I can get it in, in looking at, at somebody here who I've never met, talked with, or anything. And where where does my resentment take me? It, it always takes me away from now. It either takes me into the future 
of what I'm going to do. If, if so-and-so does this, this is what I'm going to do. Or into the past, this is what happens, so, so-and-so. It also, and I think I want to talk about this more than once, it takes me away from my conscious contact with my higher power. I do not believe that when I am in that resentment drunk, I am in contact with my higher power. Um, and, and who is the object of my resentments? Two types of people. Those I know and those I don't know. <laughs> I mean, um, I, the ones I know, you know, is because of my interactions with them. The ones I don't know, it's the guy driving the Porsche and he, he probably got that money from stealing and cheating and whatever and the guy who's really handsome, you know, he's probably got this disease or that or he's probably, you know, abuses and, uh, I don't know these people, uh, but I have resentments for them. Um, and what are my rationalizations for doing it? Well, I earned it. I deserved it. I've done good, you know, and, 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 and I'm, I'm entitled to this from what I've had to go through in life. Um, no one will know. I, I can resent and no one will know. Now, these are not true. These are my rationalizations. And it doesn't hurt anybody. Okay? When I resent, it doesn't hurt anybody. Um, and, and what are the actual results of this? Okay. Well, it affects my relations with everyone, even those who are not the objects of my resentments. Um, it affects my health. Um, I'd like to well, I'll go back a second. I could just a quick example of how resentments can hurt people who I don't even know um, or hurt me in other ways. Um, I don't know if those of you, any of you, um, read Dilbert. My boss is the guy with the pointy hair. Um, I'm the one with the tie that goes up. Um, and our department hates him, and, and um, rightfully so. <laughs> uh, and part of it is he want he wants us to overwork. He wants us to work until and we can't get it done, and we. And because of that, everybody has a res- in our department has a resentment against him. We finally got somebody in, uh, a person who's kind of on a temporary basis and was going to become permanent. And after a week, this person left. And I found out the reason they left was we had such resentments about our department and our job that this person didn't want to work there. So here it is. The reason I was we were resenting is now the reason we are not going to have anybody else in that department to help us. And that was a, a pretty good two-by-four lesson for me. Um, it affects my health. I, I remember uh, before the Bozeman Conference, after the Bozeman Conference, we went to Yellowstone, my wife and I, and um, we got in, into an argument, and she was dead wrong all the way, no doubt about it. And, uh, and I was absolutely right. And I had this resentment. I didn't even want to see her. And I went into the lodge there, and I woofed. I don't even remember eating breakfast. I just remember, oh, this and this and something. And within 10 minutes, I had the worst stomach ache I ever had. And it was because of the resentment. And, and of course, I wasn't. But I was the one who was right, and she was the one who was wrong. And I was the one who had the stomach ache, and she was the one who was enjoying the scenery in, in Yellowstone. So it can affect my health. Um, it's dangerous. Resentment is dangerous. I can speak of the times when I've been driving my car, especially on the freeways in L.A., and somebody cut me off. And my idea is, oh, this guy's just been looking for Terry. 
all over, and he just finally found me, and he's going to cut right in there, slam on the brakes, so Terry, um, so Terry will get scared or get angry. So I'll come up, and I'll pass around, and I'm going to cut in front of this guy, and I'm going to do this and that. And I almost have gotten myself killed two or three times over resentments. Or, as it says in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, resentment is the number one killer. And also this uh, realization I just had this morning, um, that when we do our four, when you do the four step, the way that Bill Wilson tells us to do it in the big books of Alcoholics Anonymous, you do it by listing your resentments. And you go from there to whatever, wherever else it takes you. So I think uh, Bill recognized this too. It leads to acting out. Resentments lead to acting out. Now, it may not be A, I'm resentful, B, I act out, but it's usually A, B, C, and there's, there's not much of a step in between. And finally, it leads to more resentments. Now, if, if you were listening to that, all this, did, you, did any of you notice any similarities between what I said and lust? And I'd like to go through that real quick again. I'd like to list the things I said about resentment and see if you can't stick the word lust in there in each kind. It's, it's to escape. It's to escape into the past or the future. It's to live a fantasy world that turns out exactly how I want it to be. I can relive it time and time again until I get it right. It's the perfect drug. I have an inexhaustible supply. Uh, I can get it any way I, I want to. Um, all I have to do is close my eyes, or I don't have to close my eyes. Um, there's no problem with tolerance. I can always find ways to get stronger, more, or different type. Where does it take me? It takes me away from the now, into the future, or into the past. And it certainly disconnects me from my higher power. Who is the object of it? Okay. Either those I know or those I don't know. Um, what is my rationalization for doing it? I earned it. I deserve it. Um, no one will know. It doesn't hurt anyone. What are the results? It affects my relations with everyone, even those who are not the objects of my lust or resentment. It affects my health. It's dangerous. I can use the same car example, at least uh, where I grew up in my sexual addiction and recovery in Los Angeles. How many times I had my eyes on those objects on the street when I was driving or next to me or pulled a U-turn to get another look at that at at one o'clock in the morning on Sunset Boulevard while I was stoned on cocaine and or marijuana. Um, I say it disconnects me from a higher power. Um, it leads to acting out. And it leads to more lust. Um, there is too much there to say, in my mind, to say that these are nothing more than some something that is so connected that it's uh, there's just no doubt about that in my mind um, I believe in solution oriented meetings solution oriented uh, topics this is a hard one for me because I still do it 
Um, but I would like to go over some of the um, the tools. And, and, and this was hard because when I was thinking about this, I didn't want to lie and say, um, well, this is how I get over resentment. So um, I had to think about what I do and how to do it. So again, this was a good exercise for me. Um, first of all, I want to say I'm very grateful that early on in my program, I would say less than a, a month into it, when I saw this anger that was welling up in me because I had stopped acting out, not because I had stopped acting out, but because I was in the process of the beginning of my stopping to act out, that I knew there was a connection. So I have been surrendering my resentment, just like I surrender my lust and just like I surrender my uh, need to be self-destructive every day. And I always remind myself in and, and, and part of my uh, morning prayers that I ask God and thank God for my progressive victory over resentments. Um, the difficulty for me is knowing I'm in resentment because when I'm in it, I'm not in this world. Um, I'm somewhere else. I often see the results of it. In my acting out days, I was fired several times from several jobs. And almost every time, it wasn't over lustful things. It was over resentments at the boss or whatever, or and just lashing out and, and speaking out. And um, I remember, uh, uh, I can't quote it exactly, and I think it's in uh, one of my Al-Anon books, about um, no healthy decision was ever made with clenched fists. And I try to remember that. If I see that my fists are clenched or my jaw is sore, well, at least I may still be in the resentment, but I've, I've been recently in it and I can at least explore what was going on in the five minutes ago or, or an hour ago. The best tool I have right now is a daily tense set, a rigorous and honest and non-judgmental tense step. I had to put the non-judgmental in it because if I was going to do a tense step and do it rigorously, I couldn't judge myself or uh, it would just lead to my old acting out behaviors and the less than or whatever. So I do it now and I just do it like I'm just taking an inventory at work. Oh, little resentment, little this and that. And I see patterns when, 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 when I do it every day. And I can see that this week the same thing has been happening. Or this has been happening um, every time I get in an argument with my wife. Then these things seem to happen that week or whatever. And so the tenth step is a real good way for me to, A, see what kind of resentments have been going on. And B, kind of saying, wait, you're doing the same patterns that usually lead to this. So be be aware of it now, Terry. Be even more vigilant. Um, I guess the last thing I'd like to close with, and I'm not even sure if it kind of fits, but it it kind of brought back this memory of when my first essay meetings in um, Alhambra, California, out there. And we met, the first ones were in a little dungeon room down below. I just remember how dark it was. And uh, that's when I got this realization about the um, resentments. But somebody told a story, and I don't even know if it comes out of our, our readings or not, about the, the kind of the town crazy guy who was always talking to himself and mulling around and the, the one you kind of try to, don't want to sit next to on the bus stop or, or whatever. And, and somebody finally asked him, uh, what's going on in there that you're always ranting and raving and whatever? And he said, well, 
there's a there are two dogs inside me and they're always fighting there's a the black dog the evil dog the dark side dog and um there's also the light side the uh the serene i won't say the serene dog but the the, the light side dog and this guy asked him well well which one wins and and the guy said whichever one i feed <laughs> thank you Hi, everyone. I'm Cindy, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. By God's grace, I've been sober since October 30th, 1992. Um, When Sylvia asked me to um, participate in one of the panels, she gave me a choice. and This is the choice that I chose because when I came into Sexaholics Anonymous, I was a very resentful, angry person. And I didn't know it, <laughs> not until I sobered up. And where you can find out and read about the resentment, lust connection is out of the Recovery Continues book. And I can remember reading this when I first came into the program, and I could relate right away. Yes, I belong here. Yes, that's how I feel. Um, there's a number of questions that they ask in this reading. And as I was reading this, when I um, became resentful, when I was acting out, that's what led me to acting out. Um, my type, my forms of acting out was compulsive masturbation. I um, started being resentful when I was a very little girl, when my parents or my siblings I was uh, second of the youngest out of six children, so I had a lot of people telling me what to do, and ever since I was little, I resented people, authority figures. So you can imagine when I come into recovery and I have to ask somebody to be my sponsor, I resented that, (laughs) and at times I still do, because I think I can do it on my own and I don't need nobody to tell me how to do it. (laughs) And those are things that are triggers for me, and I need to be very careful with that. Um, when I got into recovery um, it was like they talk about in the white book you have like like jello when you deal with one thing then another thing pops out well that's what happened to me (laughs) I thought well now that I'm in SA now everything's going to be better and I'm also a recovering alcoholic and I thought I was dying in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I was very angry. I did a fourth and fifth step two times and still was not at peace with myself, and I did not understand what was going on in my life. And this woman that had come into my life when I first come into AA, she had gotten to know me over the over um, the first four years of my sobriety in that program, and she would listen to me talk negatively, resentful, and who I was resentful towards was my husband. I would pick and nitpick, and everything he would do, I would nitpick, and everything anybody would do it at work. I was very angry. I would not let anybody inside. I would nitpick in AA. You know, they do it this way, it wouldn't be that way. And, you know, that is not a good way to live in sobriety. <laughs> and <laughs> that's why I have chose to come and share with you my experience, strength, and hope. 
Because I have found through SA, and I'm very grateful for SA, you have given me my life back. You have allowed me to share what really goes on in here. You have allowed me to see who I, who Cindy really is and accept that. And I have been allowed to share with safe people, and that's in these rooms, what really goes on in my committee. And when I was allowed to do that, when I come into SA, I started to heal. And I was allowed to turn over my resentments. I would bring it to the light by calling this other person that was in the program with me. And she would listen. And we wouldn't sit and analyze why I'm being so resentful. She would just say, what are you going to do about it? And I believe in the solution today. I want to live in the solution. And one of the things that resentment did to me was gave me a high. And I, I'm not saying that since I've come into the program that I don't get on those resentful highs. I do, and I know when I am. And it's icky feeling. Um, I can give you examples. Um, I work for a corporation where there's a lot of politics that go on. And um, coming out of isolation and not saying anything to a person who's very aggressive and saying what I I I need to say my opinion, um, I, I've gotten into some heated discussions with my coworkers. And in this book, when I get in heated discussions, I leave that room and it's living in my head. Over, I'm reliving it and I'm reliving it. That's a resentment. And another thing that Alcoholics Anonymous has taught me is whenever I'm disturbed about something, and in the white book it also says that, there's something going on in, within me. And you know what? That made me mad. Then <laughs> I had to look at myself. <laughs> and Terry had mentioned what it says in the, in the big book. That resentment is, resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more, I'm going to replace it, with sexaholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease where we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. And that's exactly what I had found out about myself. I thought I was working such a wonderful program in the other 12-step program, and when I got here, I found out that I had to start all over. And just recently, I had done a first step after being around the program for four years, and that's been a very freeing and something that I had to do for my sobriety. And what I found from doing that first step was... I found out a lot of things about my patterns, and a lot of those patterns had to deal with resentment. Whenever I acted out, I was resenting, or there was some other character defects going on within myself, and I did, did not bring that to the light. Um, one of the things that I have highlighted in this chapter is the negative spiritual action comes from the deepest core of my being as an attitude that sets me against another person. And that's exactly what it did for me. Um, when I resented my husband, I disconnected from my husband. I was one of those that I um, just shut you off. I isolated from them. I did not let them in. And I thought I was, um, I was proving to them that you do not treat me that way. And, you know, you cannot get inside me and hurt me anymore. And who I was hurting the most was myself. 
lust and resentment is poison to my system. So I need to be very careful. When I get amongst drivers, I have learnt around Christmas that I need to stay away from crowds and get caught up in the traffic jams and stuff. I need to take it slow. And if I do get caught up in those traffic jams, I need to take it slow. And I'll get to where I'm going when I when I get there, I get there. I have learnt, not 100%, <laughs> um, that I don't want to get hooked into that. Because when I get hooked into that, that resentment, that poison starts going. And that's um, just not good for my sobriety. And I'm very grateful that I have found that out in this program that I don't want to live that way anymore. Um, one of the questions that they ask is, does even a minor negative attitude, and then they have in parentheses, I don't, I didn't voice anger or make a scene, make me more susceptible to lust. Yes, it did for me. I disconnect from someone. I want to reconnect with a supernatural fix that always offered instant connection. And towards the end of my acting out, it was not instant connection. I was dying. I was not getting that gratification from acting out. Another thing I highlighted is, why is the whole disconnection resentment game destructive? And their answer, and it's one I, I can re relate with, because when I sever from person, I sever from God. And when I resent, I cannot have God work through me. And when I was um, in Alcoholics Anonymous prior to coming to SA, I was wondering why nobody would ask me to sponsor them. Well, I found out when I sobered up in SA, I now know why. I did not have nothing to give. I walked around like an angry person, sad. Who would want that <laughs> today? That's what SA has given back my life. I can be Cindy. I can um, share with people happy, joyous, and free, and that's what I want. I'm, it's freedom from bondage, from the lust. And the only way they talk about, and it's the solution to reconnecting, is going and doing those steps steps four and five and I've just recently finished my fourth step and I will be giving my fifth step and when I did my fourth step my sponsor in SA said just you know deal with the part that I didn't talk a whole lot about the last time and that was uh, the sexual conduct I wonder why <laughs> and when I, I started writing my fourth step I didn't think I had any resentments and it ended up I had 20 resentments and if I have 20 resentments what can I give away to people? Because God is not, you know, working through me. So I'm very grateful that I have done it, and it's a fearless and thorough inventory. And that's what I'm excited about today is I'm working those steps the way that I'm supposed to be working them, and I'm glad that I'm teachable today, and I hope I remain teachable. Um, another thing through the steps is when I resent and if I lash out at people, I need to go back and make amends or reconnect. And in this book, it said exactly how I felt. 
I don't want to to make it right. I just can't. I was saying to myself, the hardest thing in the world for me is to go back to that person and make it right. I'm a stubborn Norwegian, and I will not go back and say I'm sorry. But if I don't, I die inside. It's poison. So what I've learned through this program, by going and making those amends, doing my part, and changing it, I can say I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry, and don't change. That is not how I want to live today. I need to go back and make those amends and change my behavior, my thinking, and my actions towards love, towards my fellow people. And that includes people in the program, people I work with, my husband that I'm married with, and I'm very grateful for him being here and in the program. Because through this program, it has allowed us to become husband and wife and share the way we are supposed to be sharing in a marriage. Before, the resentment was so poisonous that all we could do was fight. That's how we communicated. And I was very abusive verbally and was heading towards very um, verbal and, you know, just throwing things. And do I want to live that way anymore? No, there's a better way. The 12 steps and the 12 traditions and the principles that we learn in this program are the secrets to living a happy, joyous, and free life. And that's all I have. I'm very grateful to be here to share with you my experience, strength, and hope. And I hope everybody has a happy, joyous, and free weekend. Thanks. Hi, I'm Terry, and I'm a grateful recovering lustaholic and resentment addict. I'm Terry. <clears throat> and I'm uh, powerless over lust and want to be lusted after. I'm powerless over my resentments. And, uh, and I'm going to ask God right now to just keep me sexually sober today, and I'm going to give up my rights to lust. And by doing that, I'm going to ask him uh, to do his part by keeping me sober from sexually acting out, and, uh, and I'll not go to... I'll not go to cruising or, or I'll not go read pornography and I'll not drink in the looks and I'll not, uh, I'll do whatever I can. And resentment, uh, Lord, you keep me sexually sober, uh, you keep me free from my resentments and I'll not, uh, my part will be not take anybody's inventory, not to judge them, not to blame them, you know, not to, I'll give up my rights not to do those things. And I say that every day because I'm a resentment addict and a lustaholic. And, they will kill me, both of them. I don't have a chance to stay sober sexually if I allow resentments to um, just, uh, <laughs> what was it like? Oh, I'd wake up in the morning, you know, and there, there's that resentment would be, you know, and I would go to work in the morning and that resentment would be there in my head. And it was like a bull with his ring in his nose and he's just pulling me around. And so the only thing I could possibly do to numb this resentment was to go act out sexually. It's just a pattern. You know, you keep on doing what you always did. You keep on getting what you always got. It keeps going over and over and over again. And so I'd be sitting there, boy, she's, you know, I'm look, drinking in something, and all of a sudden, I'm back into the resentment again because of the pain of the resentment. They, I couldn't give up my rights to be right. And, and, and so... Because of my because of my disease thinking and my insane thinking of my lust, I had to judge other people. You know, they were less than. They're not doing it right. They're not doing it my way. I had to think this way. 
because when I was isolated over here acting out sexually, I was in so much shame, so much sin, so much lie, that when now you came and I faced you, you drove terrible. You worked in, your work was incorrect. It wasn't good enough. You fell short. The connection was just me. The connection is just me. And I heard, I remember Harvey saying last night, he said, um, he asked all guys in Nashville, stand up. And they stood up and he says, uh, I could just picture this by the grace of, by the grace of you guys. I'm sexually sober today. If he separates from them, if he severs his relationship from them, he will definitely not stay sober. He can't do this himself. And that's what I think I'm hearing Cindy say and Terry say, and I'm feeling God saying to me today, saying it's very, very essential that I do not sever myself from him. That these are negative attitudes that will sever me from his grace and his presence, and you are him. So, that means my sister is him. I need her to get well. I need her to stay sober. And she wasn't part of my resentment list. It was my brother and my father. Every day. Every day. So when Sylvie asked me to do this talk, I said, well, you know, geez, when she talks about cross addictions, I'm going, oh, Lord, I can't do that one. You know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> I care. Uh, <clears throat> my sponsor asked me to do one on resentment. He spotted me uh, five years ago and said, whoa, this guy is obsessed. <laughs> this one I can understand. <clears throat> a friend of mine said to me, I used to meet with him every day, uh, twice a week, every, every, and we'd get together. And every day, this was back in the past, and we'd, we we use spiritual thing. We'd pray over each other, and and I'd be praying, oh, gosh, help me with my father and my brother. Help me with them. And, you know, he looks at me two years later. This is after I started doing this topic on resentment, and this is when I started asking God every morning not to judge them, not to blame them, not to take their inventory. And then when, when the when the tapes played in the head, the courtroom scene, I love the courtroom scene, you know, you know, <laughs> Judge, jury, my lawyer's looking at me going, thumbs up, you know, we got, yeah. you know, the jury's looking at me waving. <laughs> They're saying, the judge is like, let's go golf because, man, Terry's in the right. <laughs> Terry's in the right and they are totally wrong, you know, and the tape plays and plays and plays. And so finally, so finally I was able to say, whenever that tape plays, and the person sitting over in the other side, what would that make them the plaintiff or the defendant? I'm not really sure. I would, I have to ask God to bless them and give them, this is really my brother and my dad. I'll never forget it. Give them what I want today. I want to be filled with peace. I want to be lust free. I want serenity. I want hope. I want joy. I want gratitude. I want acceptance. I want to be loved. I want them to receive everything that I want today. So this guy looks at me two years later. He goes, you know what, Terry? I'm getting together with you on Wednesdays and Fridays. For the last two years, you never have brought up your brother or your father. 
this program works. It really, really does work. And, you know, I stayed sexually sober. Well, I mean, you know, so eventually, you know, it's like uh, like anything else. It, 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 I, I think I've taken it for granted. There are times where I've not brought them, you know, into my prayer and thinking about it. I, I just look at it now saying, yes, I have to get back focused. Always stay focused on what I've been given. This resentment thing is fatal. It will kill me. I see what it can do to me, and I have to, the list has to grow. When I run across it, whenever I'm, whenever I'm there throughout my day, when I see it, it's gotta be, I, the only way I can battle this thing is with prayer. That's the only way I see. And, and worrying about, oh my gosh, this is bigger than me. Oh my gosh, that guy on the freeway can sever me from my relationship with God. And, and my relationship, and, and, and possibly, it's that, it's that minor negative attitude. It's detrimental. For my recovery, for my well-being, for me to receive that freedom, happiness, joy, I've got to be on guard of it. So, we have a situation where I'm not allowed to blame, judge, take anybody's inventory. You know, that's simply it. Terry, you're the problem. Make it real simple. You are the problem. It is not your dad. It is not your brother. It's not your sister. It's not a member in the fellowship. You're the problem. You're the one with the insane thinking. You're the one. Uh, I gotta get this. Gotta say this because I'm thinking of it right now, real quick, and I want to get off this stage so we can have some comments. Uh, <laughs> friend of mine, Bob. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna go. <laughs> Uh, he says, he goes, someone called him, no, uh, secretary, <laughs> called him an, uh, what's the word I can use, you know, uh, a butthole. <laughs> he says, well, thank you for being very observant. <laughs> and I, and, and that's the truth. That is the, that is the response I have to have. <laughs> then I got room. Then I got room to, to hear what God wants to hear from me. Then I, because this whole program is about changing. And I won't change. You know what I mean? If I want to continue to be that jerk. And be that one filled with righteousness. Filled with knowledge. Filled with wisdom. Filled with all this stuff to give you, to transmit to you guys. When the truth of it is, no, it's not true. I've got nothing to transmit, transmit except really my shame, my uh, weakness, my powerlessness, my brokenness, the lie that I hear Harvey talk about. And I just want to, you know, I'm supposed to leave my weakness, but, uh, you know, it took me, uh, when you talk about, I'm working on 10 steps, so I talked to my sponsor today. I had breakfast with my uh my, my grandfather's sponsor, my great-grandfather's sponsor, and a friend of mine. And um, ten-step stuff. This is how I'm on my ten-step, you know. And so, so when you're wrong, promptly admit it. You know, so if I uh, just admitted something that's two months old. And um, and I would say to you that I thank God, thank God that I did admit it uh, to my sponsor the earliest point at 7 o'clock. Otherwise, I, I, I would have nothing to transmit. And... Um, because I didn't want to not to be right. 
And I just, this sentence Harvey says last night was something about, I've got no, like I, I've got to, I, I got to hang, I got to hang on to this lie. I got to hang on to this lie because of the shame. And he's saying to me, let go of it, be powerless, surrender, be honest. And in that surrender, I'm going to change. I'm going to get well. And that's what I have to offer. Not my righteousness, not being right, but this is Terry. It's going to fall short. That I pass. Thank you. Uh, we're going to open the, uh, we have, uh, a few minutes. I got 25 after 9. I think this thing goes to 9.30. Am I correct? So, uh, let's keep it brief and let's have a couple comments, okay? Come on up to the microphone. No? Okay. Uh, I'd like to thank you both. I've come here to listen, try to understand and then interpret it in my own life. But both of you are saying stuck in traffic. Because everybody's been stuck in traffic. And just the patience to calm down and the step a day at a time to slow everything down. The first issue is always addiction. But the wonderful thing is everything else changes in our lives, too. Sometimes we forget that. And we get quality of life after the first time. Once we've made the addiction state. I start each day by saying I'm a sex addict. Then the day takes shape. Then everything else will work out. And uh, I thank you both. Hi, I'm Bob, and I'm a sexaholic. And um, I'm the guy that um, whose secretary told him he was a complete jerk, um, except that um, she didn't use those terms. Um, but um, it was a uh, it was a really good observation on her part. And as soon as I heard it, uh, I um, got on the phone with my. By the way, my wife has been trying to tell me this for years, but um, I, I I knew she was wrong. And. Um, you know, I, I think what, what's happening is I'm getting a Ph.D. in recovery, you know, uh, because my wife gives me this feedback every day. And um, I'm just barely starting to learn that, uh, hey, you know what? These people could be right. You know, you could have a problem here. Um, you, you know, what's really been useful to me, you know, in these resentments and fourth step and the tenth step is um, working with other people. Because as soon as somebody rubs me the wrong way, um, there's something, if, if I get them really close to me, there's something that I can really learn about myself. Because I'm running away from something, and I don't know what it is, but I notice that if I just kind of bring them a little bit closer, not run, but just bring them a little bit closer and surrender to the whole process, um, I learn a heck of a lot more about myself and, and what I can actually do about it. And what I can actually do about it is um, is basically this. I, I can surrender um, all of me as opposed to just the lust part. Be- because if, if I'm held in resentment, um, there's no place for God to enter. And if there's no place for God to enter, that means I'm keeping them out. And if I'm keeping them out, um, that basically means that there's no place for God to enter um, in regards to keeping me sober either. And and where I can really see the effect is if 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 I'm being observant, I can um, see that if I'm held inside of anything, um, there's no place for the promises to enter either. Because um, what happens is is that um, the very things that um, that that are life to me. You know, the love between my wife and I, or the love between my kids and I, or, or just the things that make me happy, there's no shot for me. And so in order to get to where, what I really want to be, um, I gotta get, I gotta give up all these crappy things that I do. And, um, and that's the tough part to me because that's the destruction of that self-centeredness that, um, that I've gotta get to in order to get to, 
to what we were talking about last night, that, that deeper recovery, that, that stuff that's um, happy, joyous, and free. And in order to get there, there's a price. And the price is the destruction of all that self-centeredness and the resentments and the lust are all part of, you know, is all part of it. So thanks for letting me share. My name's Bill. I'm a grateful sexaholic. Um, something that uh, my sponsor has had me do, which I uh, truly hate, and that must mean it's good for me, is that in addition to p- uh, praying for the other person to receive all the things I want, which comes straight uh, out of the, uh, I think, 12 and 12, uh, and the white book as well, uh, in addition, uh, he has me do a gratitude list for the reasons that I should be grateful for that jerk to be in my life. What have I gotten from that person? And, and usually the, the most valuable gift is the part that I really dislike the most when I first receive it. And uh, I really like Bob's comment because now one of the things that I will can add to that gratitude list is that this person has given me some self-awareness about just what a flaming whatever I am. And I know I don't, I'm not going to enjoy it, but it may help in my recovery. Uh, I really want to thank the speakers because I heard some good stuff here to, today. Thanks. I'm Joe. I'm a recovering sexaholic. I'm powerless to serve a lust and resentment. I want to thank the speakers this morning. Um, I asked my uh, my sponsor this morning what uh, which program I should go to. I said relapse or uh, resentment lust connection. He just looked at me and said, "I think resentment lust connection." I looked at him and said, "Who the hell are you talking to?" <laughs> then I said, "Okay, see you later." Um, something that uh, Terry said really hit home, and um, has to do with the space. Um, happened the other day. I um, this this resentment is driving me crazy. It hit me last night when I was listening to the speakers. Um, something happens when I when I react and when I'm get resentful. And uh, the other day I was able to stop it and I was able to surrender it. For the first time I could feel something open up uh, up here, and I felt like it was a space uh, allowing grace to enter. And uh, it was one of the first times I've had some release. And, uh, and relief from resentment. Um, instead of reacting, instead of getting crazy, looking at my three-and-a-half-year-old and saying, you know, what's wrong with you? Uh, I was able to see she was really struggling with something. I was able to be able to enter that space with her and to be a parent instead of being a, um, a jerk. Uh, I was able to see something from her from her eyes and, and what she was struggling with. And uh, so, so it works. It's, um, it's amazing when I stop myself and I can surrender I can allow, it's the only time I can allow something else to get in my head. And um, so I'm grateful to be here, and I, I appreciate everybody uh, everybody talking. Thanks. I'm Catherine Sexaholic. Uh, I guess mine is about getting in touch with my resentment. I'm uh, 54 now. I went into therapy the first time when I was 19. I've been in one anonymous program or another for over 15 years. Uh, when I was in philosophy, I came to understand everything. When I went into uh, Bible study, I understood so much there. But what I realized, it's taken me all these years to get in touch with my rage. My rage has nothing to do with my education. My rage is how I was treated when I was a kid. 
and my rage is is the things that I'm I'm seeing now that that uh, happened to me that I've been holding on to all these years, and because I thought I knew everything, I couldn't possibly be this resentful. It was immature, and it was sick, and and I've just been able to do it. I've been able to get in touch with it and um, talk to people about it, and the world hasn't come to an end, and I feel a lot better. Thanks. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.